Goog's house. Okay, so how is the school known for having like cool, crazy uniforms? Going to lose the uniform competition and the basketball game at home while yelling, "I just want to go home." Over and over and over and. You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Cougs. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to talk all things Cougs each and every day. If you have a fan or a hater can stop by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below and download the podcast each day. Plays on the Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed, our podcast should pop up in your feed each day. So be sure to make Lockdown Cougs your first lesson of the day. And welcome back to the YouTube channel. Yes, they let us back for another week of youtube it's good to get, get to see you guys again uh be sure to subscribe to the channel remember when we get to 250 subscribers we're gonna be giving away some form of a marcus Sasser t-shirt uh from a guy on instagram that we're going to talk to perhaps later this week this is what one of them looks like um there's some really cool designs he's got going on so we're going to talk to him later and see what all he's got going but in the meantime when we get to 250 subscribers we're gonna give away one of those shirts to get entered to win one of those shirts, you just have to leave comments on the video. If you don't know what to say, tell us if you think a muffin is a cupcake. Um, so today we're going to be talking all about Houston beating Oregon at their place in basketball. Uh, that's this whole full-length episode. If you want to recap the football game, honestly, it was kind of a dominant performance. It got bumped to the bonus slot. So go check out the bonus episode that came out today on Monday as well, as soon as we're done with the episode here. Um, but yes, the Houston Cougars beat the Oregon Ducks 66-56 to in Eugene, Oregon. <clears throat> it's their first real road game of the season. And frankly, Oregon sounded kind of raucous at times when it got cut to six in the second half. Late night game, if your body had not adjusted like myself. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about how that game went. we got three different segments here to talk about. And the first one... We're going to look at a you know breakouts moment for freshman Terrence Arsenault. Uh, you know, feels like a local kid in a lot of ways. We're going to give him a full full segment just to break down how great a game he just had. Uh, we're also in the second segment to kind of look at some of the foul trouble that led to Terrence Arsenault getting in the game like that from a couple different Cougs. Uh, and so we'll talk about like how that impacted the game and how they the players reacted to their foul trouble in the second segment. And then the third segment, I'm going to look at kind of. If Oregon, you know, obviously Houston won, but did Oregon lay out a, a blueprint or an outline on how to beat the Cougs down the stretch? But here in the first segment, we got to take some moment to love on one of our own here in Houston. So we know no one loves Houston like Houston. And Terrence Arsenal being from Beaumont is as local feeling as just about as right? I guess you could be like from Lamar, right? That's about the only thing you could be more local than that. And uh, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much. But I, I want to open this segment talking about last week when Andy Patton had me on Locked On College Basketball, like the more national college basketball podcast. We talked about Jamal Jay. We talked about Marcus Sasser. We talked about Jairus Walker. And Andy goes, hey, Parker, if one of the guys that is not in that big three is making plays in the Final Four to help, or on the way to the Final Four or whatever to help Houston cut down the nets, who's it going to be? And I was like, there's something magical in that kind of a run about local kid, Beaumont United, 
Terrence Arsenal doing it. Now, Terrence Arsenal is a winner. We knew that much coming in, right? He's a two-time state champion from Beaumont United in the state's biggest division, right? He was most outstanding player of the tournament in both of those runs. He hit clutch three-pointers along the way in both of those uh, both those title runs. I mean, he is that dude when it comes to all the things. He's built to be a pro. He's at 6'4", 6'5", you know, 210, lanky, right? Like, he's built to do all those things, right? He might be closer to 190 to 210, but it depends what team listed, right? But in Houston, we've got a bunch of veteran guards, and he's coming off the bench, right? Most guys like Terrence Arsenault would be starting at their college programs, right? And in Houston, he's not. And frankly, he knew that when he signed up to come, right? Um, and so he comes to Houston, and he gets to come off the bench and immediately hits a huge three, gets a clutch steal, and he tacks the cup. He actually doesn't make the layup because it's contested, gets the rebound, gets fouled, starts over possession, he gets another three and then has a layup on a back cut. And like suddenly it's like, oh man, Terrence Arsenal has eight of 10 points for Houston in like roughly a minute of basketball. Right. And that is such a tremendous like light switch moment to pull off of the bench from any, any age player. But to have it come from a freshman in November, again, we're not even to Thanksgiving yet, folks. That's so, so early in the basketball season for him to be meshing into that kind of role and his first road game as a college basketball, first true road game as a college basketball player in a power five environment. I mean, Eugene, Oregon, like, like uh, the, the whole scope of it all, it's just tremendous, tremendous. And it wasn't just his scoring. Like he played, he played very well. He finished with 15 points. He played some more in the second half as well. It wasn't just in the foul minutes. Um, he had five rebounds. He had three steals. He had his hand on a bunt ball a bunch of different other times. And he really was a tremendously impactful player that I don't think Houston wins without. And again, this is the freshman not named Jarris Walker that we're talking about here, right? This is the other guy in that class. Really, there's two other guys. We'll talk about Emmanuel Sharp, I'm sure, of course, this season a couple different times. But tonight, and looking at Terrence Walker, or Terrence Arsenault, like, man, like if that's if that's the guy we're getting off the bench, this guard room is deep. Like, oh my God, right? And so... I'd say that, like he had his his threes were like catch and shoot threes, and so like if I look at like at his game from that kind of standpoint, I'm, I'm not sure like open catch shoot ice in your veins big. Um, the steals though were impressive because he's actually rotating off the backside. So get a little X's nose nerdy for a second. Houston's doing a lot of doubling and a scramble look on the front side of the press, and then rotating backside. So like the steal he had right when he came in that like sparked the lead or sparked the like run or whatever. He's actually covering someone. Down and more like elbow extended, free throw extended, a three point line. But when Shed and Mark, I believe it was, were going to double, right? You then see him sprint to whichever one of those man was at mid court, and he just like meets the ball there. It's great, great timing, impeccable, like and like the vision and and all that. I wish he'd made the contested layup, but obviously, like we'll take in the ball back. I think it led to a Jarris Walker finish after that. Um, tremendous vision from a freshman. Right. And and he's he's just kind of that guy. And I, I I went back and forth to draft deeper a little bit. One of the no ceilings NBA uh, scout like service like they do all their content is NBA draft content. And he was like, no, we're on him. And I was like, no, like here in Houston, I think we're all on. Him. <laughs> like, sorry, draft deeper is nothing, nothing too special. Right. Like we all we all knew about this one. Right. He's from he's from here. We, we knew we knew about this one. Um and, and it just, it's probably safe to say that, like, 
he's a he's a he's a he's a lottery pick. He he might not be a lottery pick this year. He may be a lottery pick as a sophomore, or he might be like a lottery pick as a sophomore that has to leave college as a freshman anyway. We'll see where that all all those chips land. But he's going to be an impactful player, and being able to have him to throw out there when Marcus Sasser's in foul trouble, when Jamal Shea's not making his jump shot, or when Tremont Mark is you know also whatever bust a shoelace, all of a sudden having him to throw out there is just this instant energy, right? He mentioned that he was uh, in the post-game presser and post-game media. He's talking about like being just wanted to come in and help change the game. It was a close game. It shouldn't have been a close game. He was coming to change the game. And he said that what his teammates and the coaching staff have been telling him is that just play hard and the talent tanks over again. He's a five-star kid. So the message is just play hard and the talent takes over. And I have to say, I buy it. That's exactly what it looked like happened on Sunday night. He played hard. The talent took over. Kid had 15 points. MVP of the game, right? And, you know, he again, we said he's he's a safe, he's a safety net. He's a safety net for the Cougs. And speaking of being safe, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, uh, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts and all those kinds of things spike nationally? Uh our friends at Simply Safe are offering 50% off their award-winning security system because of that, so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Uh, if you order your system for half off today, you can enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind all season long. Now, I always want to bring up Simply Safe, talk about how much I enjoy having it now because if I'd had it once upon a time when my car got broken into outside my apartment, I might still have. I'm a big sneaker guy. See sneakers. I might might still have some more sneakers. Because I got a few stolen trunk in my car. The cops asked me all kinds of questions about videos and if I knew who and did all those kinds of things. And I didn't. But if I had Simply Safe, I would have. Because Simply Safe is an emergency 24 7 monitoring agents uh, that prote- uh, use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that the threat is real so you can get a priority police response. That would help me out. Uh, Simply Safe is a whole home security with advanced sensors in every room, window and door. It's got HD security cameras for inside and out. Smart ways to detect motion and alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day, and that's less than half the price of ADT's traditionally uh, professionally installed systems. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, you can stay completely in control of your system anytime, anywhere. Disarm, unlock uh, for guests, access your cameras, adjust systems, etc. Or find out who's breaking into your car, stealing your sneakers out of your trunk right in front of your home. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I'm going to recommend. Get 50% off of new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. It's their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Now, um, the second thing we do have to talk about some guys that got in foul trouble because I think it's interesting to see how Oregon's foul, how the foul trouble kind of struck them differently right so i i'm gonna get into houston's foul trouble i can't do that without mentioning that oregon apparently went 19 minutes of the game without fouling right like at one point in the second half the foul count was houston 11 oregon nothing and that lasted for a long time and i want to give credit to samson's squad because you know i think there'll be a lot of talk about this going right, that going wrong, this go, you know, uh, but the number of whatever team in the country should beat an unranked Oregon by a bajillion, bajillion, da, 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 da. but a hostile environment on the road across the country, 
with a bunch of fre- with a couple of freshmen, really kind of leading the way, frankly. And the Falcons that out of whack. I I I feel fairly confident that like that's that's the thing that like is a good thing, right? To be able to pull out that one is a good thing because they again, there's no way they went 19 minutes without fouling. They just went 19 minutes without getting called for a foul, and that could be infuriating for most teams. But the culture Houston's built has been bigger than that, right? <clears throat> so, for example, we talked about great Terrence Arsenal was in the opening segment. We didn't talk about the fact that he had to do that because Marcus Sasser got two early fouls, and it looked like, oh, man, they might be without Sasser for a long time. Um, I will say of, of those two fouls, the second one, there was like a loose ball at midcourt. The ball went sky high, and he like went in and tried to get the ball, and two guys just collided. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I, I want a guy like Sasser to go after that ball. I'm not going to tell him to not go get that ball. And so suddenly it's like, okay, that's his second foul, I guess, right? Um, I think what's interesting about seeing Sasser get in foul trouble, uh, we haven't seen it much this season, but uh, we have guard depth, right? We brought in Terrence Arsenault. We saw Ramon Walker. Um, we could also see Emmanuel Sharp if we need to at some point. Like, I think it feels safe to say that, like, while Sasser is like player of the year candidate, All American, et cetera, right? Like, we do have guys that can at least like tread water for some minutes without him in the game. And I think it's also interesting to see it like in watching huddles or listening to post game media or whatever. It was very clear that like Marcus Sasser had impacts on winning even when he was not in the game, right? And timeouts and calling plays from the sideline, like all those kinds of things, he's finding ways to impact the game even when he's on the floor. And I think that's the kind of thing you want from your, I guess, junior veteran leader, right? Like that's kind of what you're hoping to have out of, I, I say that because he missed so much last season. But anyway, like he, he's, it's interesting to see him lead from the sideline that way because when he's out there, he's the focal point of whatever we're doing, right? Um, also, I think it's worth pointing out that like he kept his cool, came back in the game, and then had like the qui- I said on Twitter the quietest sixteen points I've ever seen him have. Right, like a couple threes, a couple layups, one breakaway dunk, boom. That's it. That's all it took. Right. <coughs> and I just, I just felt like I was, you know, game ended. I'm like, oh, he probably had like eight, nine. Look, like he had sixteen points. Right, like that's just tremendous. I think the biggest like moment of his scoring, he had a steal that led to a dunk, and like that was fun to watch him like get all hyped and flex. But the um, the truth is is that the like play that led to like it felt like it was the dagger, I should say, is it was like a six point lead. It might have been an eight point lead, um, and he just gets a kick out to an open three of the corner, and I was like, they left Sasser open. It was like this moment where I went, oh, crap, they got Marcus Sasser, right? There was just like moments like, oh, God, because he had been kind of quiet all game, didn't play a lot in the first half, and then he drills this like open corner three, and I was like, we had for, we did everything but stop Marcus Sasser. Like that, was, like that was like the entire vibe of what was going on. And I thought that was a really like poignant dagger to, in a way to end the game because they'd found a way to get the ball out of Arsenal's hand. They'd find a way to make Jamal Shed shoot deep threes. They'd like gotten Jairus Walker in foul trouble, which we're about to talk about, and whatever, and I was like, Boom. Oh, crap. We forgot about the best player in America, right? <clears throat> the other guy that was in foul trouble throughout the game um, that was interesting to see it affect them was Jairus Walker because Jairus Walker is a freshman and he's a younger guy. But also, from a roster construction standpoint, Houston doesn't quite have the same 
backups and answers for when he's out of the game, right? So when we pull in Terrence Arsenal for Marcus Sasser, we don't really have a guy with the positional flexibility to replace Jairus Walker, right? Um, like we could go two bigs with Reggie Chaney and J1 Roberts, right? And so then you have like two traditional bigs out there. We could go really small with like a Tremon, Tremon Mark sitting there, like moving him from the three to the four or whatever. But we don't really have someone who can do both things in the way that Jairus Walker does. And that's because he's crazy unique, right? That's not like they're, they don't just have guys like Jairus Walker just like growing somewhere. Like that, like he's crazy unique. And so that's kind of why that is, right? However, it also kind of means we need him on the floor for a lot of what we're doing. So, sorry, Jairus, like you can't get in foul trouble. Because frankly, Houston had just kind of found a way right before he got that fourth foul in the second half to kind of combat this, like, uh, you know, newsflash. Oregon was huge, right? And Pally Dante and the Biddle, Biddle guy, like those, those, they're massive, massive basketball players. But Houston had just gone to this lineup where they had Chaney and Roberts both ended the two bigs and slotted over just walking to the three and ran a really interesting, like I called it the floppy set. I guess it's technically a little bit of a spin on it, but they went a post to post screen to shoot out. Uh, I believe it was Roberts. Then they had chain in the low block. And then actually in the screen, uh, you had Jairus Walker pop up to the nail elbow area and he had like room to operate and work. And it was like, Oh man, we finally have a lineup in a way that like we kind of match them up in size because the size we gave up with, Cheney or Roberts on their four and five man because our guys are six nine and theirs are seven feet tall. We gained in a lot by having Walker on their three man, right? Like all of a sudden it felt like we're kind of even the playing field. And then he got his fourth foul. And then I was like, oh, that was short lived, right? Now, obviously, in like a game playing situation, we'd gone to that earlier and a must win in March, we got probably, um, but we didn't get to see much of it because Walker got his fourth and to come out for a while to make sure we got to preserve him for the end of the game. And I just, I also feel like, you know, there was a shot clock violation at one point where like he knew he was in foul trouble. He pump faked and instead of just pump and driving, he didn't want to get a pump. He didn't, get, didn't want to get offensive foul call. He like pumped and waited and then like had a decision and then passed it. And it was a shot clock violation. Like again, if he didn't have foul trouble, he probably just goes to his floater game, right? Because he's got that in the bag. So I don't know. Just interesting to see how those kinds of moments change things for him right um speaking of moments this week's thrilling college football moment is brought to you by nissan the thrilling designs behind the uh, brand new lineup of nissan are invented are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the driver themselves when i think of unbelievable builds on the field for this week's thrilling moment it has to be if i'm going to the football game i'm gonna say mm, i'm gonna go to the deep post corner that Na- uh, nathaniel tankdale ran I guess it technically won the touchdown, so it might not quite get the hoopla, but like great pass protection, you know, back breaking third and long play. You got Tank Dale going to streak. He breaks in on the slant on the post, and the guy covering him thinks he's got it, tries to undercut the post, breaks behind the behind breaks behind it under the safety for the corner, uh, converts on third and long. Big, big play out of Tank Dale that I think I gotta give the credit to there, even if it won the touchdown. I could frankly go back though to the Matthew Golden touchdown against Temple because that still feels like a bigger moment for the season. But we'll get to that later. This segment is inspired by the brand new thrilling designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. 
gmail.com. All right. In our third segment here, I'd like to look at what, hmm, I don't know how to phrase this. What did Oregon do that another team could watch me like, that's how you beat Houston. That, that right there, that's how you beat Houston. And like, I'm not saying there's many things you can do. There's some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about that I think only Oregon or teams built like Oregon can do. But I also think it's, you know, when Houston's in this aura where they're a top team in the country, we'll see what the rankings come out like tomorrow. Suddenly, we've got to look at like, well, how are other teams approaching us? And I think we need to do that because I don't think Samson does that. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean, I think Samson focuses on his team and his guys. But as fans of the team, we 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 need to know like what's coming, right? Because that's not we don't have to have the same mentality as the coach. The coach is like we're gonna get better at what we do every day. You and I could be like, what are we getting ready for parts? Right. So that's a little bit different. Now, in Folly Dante was their big man, and he gave Houston a lot of trouble. He's listed at six eleven and change, two fifty. I think the most like consistent thing I'd see online was that he has a seven and a half foot, about seven five and a half foot wingspan. <clears throat> he had uh, sixteen points, eleven rebounds, and five stocks or steals plus blocks combined. And frankly, they did not surround him with particularly great three point shooting. Oregon's not a great three point shooting team, but they did have a particularly bad three point shooting day. So, uh, considering this game was a 10-point game at their place, uh, that was a six-point game for stretches of the last part of the game. I feel like the thing we're seeing here is that having size in a zone defense is going to be problematic for Houston. Now, Houston still got a decent amount of offensive rebounds. I'm, I'm not saying they didn't, but I am saying that that half-court zone severely 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 limited what houston wanted to do offensively because you saw houston shoot a lot of threes right i believe i have down they shot uh 11 for 22 from the three-point line um which is a lot of threes when you consider how many of their possessions were fast break layups off steals right like i don't have that exactly i don't have how many possessions were fast break steals in front of me but i do have um that they forced, what is it, 16 turnovers. And so, you know, got to figure it somewhere in there. Anyway, there, there's a lot of, it's a lot of threes for like very, you know, a lot less half-court possessions. Because <clears throat> we're not exactly the team shooting a three on the break like the Golden State Warriors. And so, I think as I look at this, I'm like, huh, having big man to follow Dante in the middle of the zone, plus the the Biddle kid, right, where, um, the other, their other big, who was not quite as impactful, but certainly long, right? Uh, Nate Biddle, seven foot sophomore, not quite as long, but certainly much longer than anyone Houston's got, right? Anyway, having them in the back line of the zone really meant that Houston was kind of limited to like getting to the mid range, right? And what that ended up doing was it meant that the bulk of our baskets really did come in transition or like secondary transition not so much off of made baskets and not so much off of, you know, more traditional means. And frankly, it also for a team that preaches offensive rebounding really, really hurt us in that we didn't get to our normal offensive rebound marks. Um, Houston had just 10 offensive rebounds. And I say just 10, like a lot of schools, a lot of teams (coughs) might be totally, totally happy with that. 
that's kind of low for us, right? Uh, we and not just because like we've seen Texas Southern and and how we played against other schools where we've seen the Houston teams of the past play like Kelvin Sampson's teams value offensive rebounding a lot and having just 10 offensive rebounds is kind of low. We got out rebounded 37 to 28 and we won the game. We we had nine less rebounds in the team and won the game by 10 points at their place. And so I think that the 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 thing here is going to be can you keep Houston off the offensive glass if you're the other team with size and length and then compete with them in shooting on the other end because that's the thing that Oregon could not do. Oregon also shot 22 threes, only made three of them, right? So, like, suddenly it's like, ooh, had those numbers been more even, this game might have been different, right? Had both teams shot 9 of 22, suddenly it's a much different game, right? And so I think that's the deal. With like, Do you have the size, like, Nvala Dante to back it up? Can you sit in a zone with that size and make Houston shoot outside and, like, make Houston shoot mid-range and so on? And then once you've done that, can you keep up on the offensive end in the same way? Because Oregon could not do that part, right? Oregon was not able to do that. And so I think that that's why this thing goes 10 points Houston's way. (coughs) I can already tell you that there's also a part of me that understands that like had Houston had a more even whistle, right? Not an 11 to nothing whistle for most of the second half. Uh, whistle being the foul call. The foul calls were 11, like Houston had 11 foul calls on them for most of the second half and Oregon had none for most of the second half. If that were the case, suddenly maybe those other things don't matter as much, but also the way Houston plays defense, we've heard Kelvin Sampson say before that like he'd rather just foul and make them call it and see if they're going to call it every single time or not. Right. And so a little worried about those kinds of things, but this is also the first test we've had where I've been worried about any kinds of things. Right. And so maybe that's just like, maybe we get to St. Mary's in a couple weeks and it doesn't matter. Right. Like we'll see, but you can follow me all along the way and we'll talk about it all you want to between here and now kind of you Cougs news all week long this week, big break between games, the basketball team we played on Sunday night and we don't play again until Saturday afternoon. So make sure you check on lockdown Cougs for all the things going on throughout the week. More than just box scores here at Lockdown Cougs. You can find me on Twitter at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me on other social media platforms, whatever. But every day at Lockdown Cougs, make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Hit subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Because when we get to 250 subscribers, we're going to give away a t-shirt or two. So make sure you hit that. Please, thank you so much for making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. If you're looking for a second listen, I'm going to recommend the bonus football episode first. Uh, if, you're, if you're into more Cougs football, if that's not your jam, I'm going to recommend Locked on Rockets. Jackson's doing a great job talking about all things Houston Rockets. Kind of a gut-wrenching loss to the Golden State Warriors on Sunday night, but he's breaking it all down in a great way, so make sure you go check him out as well. Locked on Cougs is a proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go Cougs!